Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on November 22nd, sponsored by 42 Bar and Table at the Clinton Center. On this special short week edition, we're going to talk about the legacy of Bill and Hillary Clinton and answer a series of questions from readers. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Gobble, gobble. So uh, last weekend, the Clinton Center and Clinton School of Public Service celebrated the 24th anniversary of the election of Bill Clinton. And uh, there were a number of events. You attended several of them, I think. Uh, but the sort of highlight was a, a discussion moderated by James Carville with Bill and Hillary. Yeah, and it went on for, oh, an hour and a half at least, maybe almost two hours, good long discussion. And it was, as I wrote this week, I, I didn't go really excited about it. I mean, you know, the cult can only go on forever, for for so long, and life moves on, and you know, there's a weariness. What, what could the Clintons say that we haven't heard them say? But it turned out to be pretty interesting to see the two answer questions side by side. Once again, there was an exhibition of this symbiotic relationship where they both, they're all, they're one person almost for practical purposes as public figures and political figures. They, they know the same things and, and form many of the same opinions. Bill, of course, is, is a force of nature as a politician, is folksier and, and I think establishes a greater rapport. But once again, it was an occasion to understand how incredibly competent Bill Hillary Clinton is in terms of if you want somebody who's done the reading, done the homework, done the, done the study guides, and understands an amazing range of very complicated issues in a nuanced way and can explain them clearly and in in complete grammatical sentences, well, she's your gal. And it's such a stark contrast to the President of the United States today. And he came up many times by reference, and and I don't think anybody ever uttered his name, but it was obvious in several occasions who they were talking about, particularly when Hillary talked about Donald Trump's continuing obsession with her. He put out some tweets that morning, I think, again calling her a loser I mean indeed she's not president and is not going to be and he seems fixated with her still so it ended up being pretty interesting you know there there's still the Hinton, the Clinton haters are legion and and I don't say that in a in a diminishing way about them there there are reasons some purely philosophical to not like the Clintons uh Bill Clinton certainly uh did some things in his life that are not praiseworthy. Uh, he got impeached for a big part of it, and for whatever reason, I think partly because of public opinion at the time, survived. You know, I, I hear people say, "Well, they, you know, Bill and Hillary Clinton, they they will shade meanings of things and not tell you the truth sometimes about tough political questions." Well, <laughs> no politician has ever done that before. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't defend it, but I mean. I was talking to somebody that maybe I ought to run for governor, and you just run on a, just a pure truth candidacy, you know, pro-anti-death penalty, pro-drug legalization, the, the kind of the shtick I do at Boys State every year. And I thought, but, you know, it would be a problem because I might not get 3% of the vote in the Democrats. <laughs> might not qual- qualify as a political party, so probably a bad idea. I mean, the truth is, you know, you just sometimes have to shade your answer. So in any event, it was good. It, it came against this backdrop, though, of the ongoing Me Too campaign, the continuing revelation of, of people in public life, who men who've done bad things to women. I, I don't know if we've yet had a, 
a man step forward and say a woman abused him. Have we a, a high pro? I can't think of one. I, I think it's think so. primarily men acting badly. And and there are a lot of people that want to re re retell the Clinton story and say he was bad too. And and even without arguing that point, even if you accept the point that he was bad too and should be having the same sort of consequences should have then that some are having now. I don't understand the relevance. I mean, I, I just still don't. It's like he's not president. He is. These these are not issues that have been swept under the rug. They've all were fully discussed and investigated in one case by a grand jury. Uh, and so I, I'm just not sure why it's relevant that we have to we have to say what about Bill. I mean, I think everybody's got their opinions on that. But yeah. But anyway, so it was it was good, and there were a lot of famous faces. At the, at the, and the one thing that I haven't said was is this was a whole lot less to me about Bill's election than it was about Hillary. I mean, the, the enthusiasm of people who turned out for her book signing, the ovations, multiple ovations at references to her and her run against Donald Trump, uh, I, I think this was really more of a catharsis for some people who really had wanted her elected and were sorry that she didn't win, except the popular vote, of course. And you know, and I read, I read somebody over the weekend talking about, oh, they're just bitter and they're tired and people want to go on the way. Well, no doubt, there's some people that want them to go away. I mean, I get that. I mean, they're, they've been in public life for 25, 25 years, for 43 years in Arkansas, and. You grow tired of that. I mean, you've seen it all. And uh, might Hillary be somewhat bitter about her loss, given what the Russians did and what Comey did and the kind of things Trump said? She'd be a pretty remarkable person not to have a little bit of that, I think. And sure. So, and, and all I know is 3,000 very admiring people turned out, and so there's some people who don't quite share the view of the haters. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about our sponsor, 42. Well, I, it, I went to a picnic, so-called, hot dogs and hamburgers at the Clinton Center uh, Saturday night, and they were seating people. The restaurant was not open, but they were seating people there, and it's just fabulous looking. Yeah, it really this is. This new bar on the north end is really an inviting. I mean, I could see going down there and having just having some drinks at night. And the, the, the terrace with the new seating arrangements on some of our good nights of the year, it's just going to be a great place to sit. Yeah, I, I went today to, to have uh, lunch and, and a drink since it's... Uh, good. <laughs> Drinks and lunch? Holiday week. Holiday week. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm with you. It's it's a lot cozier than it was before. I don't think they lost seating and um, certainly the way they have it arranged on the terrace probably gained, but it feels, it feels a little cozier. It's probably because of the bar, but... Um, I'm with you. I I see it as a place that I will be having. And there's and there's some good food. I mean, from you know from salmon to burgers and some interesting appetizers in between. Uh, we had a review. You can read it on our Rock Candy website. Kind of a a rave by our by our reviewer. And and I noticed uh, I noticed I think I know who did the review. And I know he like me likes large portions. And they are large portions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get a bowl of soup. You get a bowl of soup. And we have a picture of that Arkansas Traveler burger. And it. Looks like the Empire State Building of Burgers. It looks pretty good. Yeah. So get out to 42, the new and improved 42 Barn Table. 
at the Clinton Center. And tell them we sent you. Yeah. So to uh, to fill some podcast time this week, since we're we're on a short holiday week, we ask readers on Facebook and the Arkansas blog to submit questions. So we're going to go over a few of those, a little Ask Max segment. You made reference to this earlier. The big question in Arkansas politics is what Arkansas Democrat runs for governor. And I don't know the answer. I've heard some names of some young, politically active guys whose name would mean nothing to most people talking about it. And I tried to draw a couple of them out on it last week, and I didn't get a a solid answer. You may know more about that than I do. but I don't. Nate Looney is the only name that I've heard who ran ran for uh, Jonesboro. uh, Was it the Senate? Yeah, right, right. And against Brant Smith. And yeah, he was a great candidate and did everything right. And lost devastatingly. <laughs> so that was a shame. But there's even somebody said, well, there might even be a Democratic primary, which in, in some ways seems nutty because to, to waste the money and effort by good candidates. But on the other hand, a little excitement might not be a bad thing. There, there will be. A, I mean, uh, the Democratic chair says there will be a candidate. And I don't think anybody at this moment realistically thinks there's a candidate that can beat Asa Hutchinson, but they've got to, they've got to get 3% of the vote to qualify as a political party. And they will certainly do that. And I, I think they'll, you know, they may carry a County or two or three. Yeah. Well, what about, this was not a reader's question, but I'll just tack it on. Uh, Jay Barth had a great column this week, uh, about the second district suggesting that maybe, um, building off the Vic Snyder formula, even though the demographics have changed quite a bit, could be a, a road to success for a candidate. But we don't we don't have a candidate yet who has demonstrated an ability to to really raise money. And yeah, we've got two uh, of the sort. I, I don't want to call them Bernie Kratz because I don't know if they were or weren't. But they're sort of younger, newer tired of the old order, do things different candidates, Paul Spencer and, and uh, Gwendolyn Combs. Combs. And that's great and good for them. And they're out there on social media trying to stir up interest. Uh, I heard last week that after writing off uh, Clark Tucker as a candidate, he'd, he'd had a battle with cancer and has been successfully treated, that he may yet decide to get in that race. Uh, but but I, that's speculative, but at least it hadn't been totally ruled out. I've talked to a lot of people about this, and at the Clinton, there were a lot of Democrats at the Clinton gatherings, and this was a subject of much discussion, and but I was, and, and I talked to somebody who'd run for that seat, uh, in fact, a few years ago, who kind of thinks there are elements that, that make that seat not totally out of reach, but, but then he pointed, but then he pointed out, well, yeah, you know, Connor Eldridge Got, he said, after all, Connor Elders got 45% of the vote in the race for Senate against John Bozeman. I said, well, yeah, you only need 5% more. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's that 5% is the problem. And, and any Democrat of any sort uh, will carry Pulaski County. I mean, uh, Diane Curry did against French Hill. Uh, and so a good Democratic candidate will carry it big against French Hill, particularly given this terrible record he's amassing on taxes and immigration and everything else. It's just a horrible record. Uh, just a Trump a Trumpite down the line. The question is, is, is there any room to make gains in the outlying suburban counties? Interestingly enough, I talked to a Republican legislator yesterday 
who says he thinks this will be a wave election for Democrats in Arkansas, even in Arkansas. Now, a wave being not a majority takeover election, but a seat gain election. Yeah. Uh, and he says he thinks he points to suburban victories in Virginia and other places as being... Oklahoma. In uh, Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma City and Tulsa, there's no reason why some of that shouldn't be possible in some suburban areas around Little Rock. He points out Saline County, had a Democratic senator for years, Shane Broadway, who was popular. He thinks that Saline County hasn't necessarily reflexively flipped to Republican, and so maybe there's some Democratic vote possibilities there. When you bring up Connor Eldridge, I mean, Connor Eldridge was running against Barack Obama as much as John Bozeman, and, and so and, now having Trump, who knows? What, the question is, is are there people who are going to vote for a Democrat because of Trump in Arkansas? Like people voted Republican because of Obama. And and I, I'm just still of the negative mindset that Trump still has too much natural affinity with a, a certain large group of Arkansas voters. You, you see it in the Arkansas poll. I mean, on some of the social issue votes, whether it's guns, abortion, gay rights, whatever. I mean, they're, they're, they, they, they lean in that direction. Yeah. And the resentment is high, and the resentment against elitists. But the right kind of candidate with the right manner, who knows, maybe. I don't know. Okay, well, let's stay on politics. Uh, regarding Alabama elections, someone asked, what happens to the Senate and future legislation if a Democrat wins the uh, Roy Moore race. I forget what the Democrat's name is. Oh, Doug Jones yeah. in Alabama running against Roy Moore. And, well, and can do you think Doug Jones can win? I, I will knock me over with a feather if Alabama elects a Democrat for precisely the reason that Donald Trump articulated. He'd rather see a child molester elected than a Democrat. And I think there are an awful lot of people in Alabama who feel just that way. Not to mention that that some of the evangelical types. James Dobson has made an appearance to say, oh, this is all. They're just making lies against Roy because they want to beat him, you know, and, and I think that'll that'll resonate. And so, I, first of all, I, I, I expect Roy Moore to win, but uh, if he doesn't, at this point, one vote means a lot. It mean, I mean, it's, it's huge. Uh, it means tax legislation. It means all kinds of things become much harder for the Republicans to pass, and they're already hard. But if if Democrats and and some Republicans join to get an Alabama to beat Roy Moore and elect Doug Jones, it's going to put immense pressure on already huge pressure for Al Franken to yeah. resign. Mm-hmm. And then. I don't know what the rule is. Does is there an interim appointment by the governor? I, I I don't know what the replacement is, but then that seat's in play, and so who knows what that means? Uh, well, if Moore does win, what do you think the likelihood the Senate removes him is? None. None. Zero. Okay. And I want to say I, I'm at peace with that. I have to confess to a problem, and this isn't just with Roy Moore. I mean, I think he's a reprehensible snake, and I think he shouldn't run, and I think if he had any any sort of decency, he would withdraw from the race, but he's not going to. And I think there's something to be said for the voters making the decision, particularly as it pertains to past acts by people 
who were not in that office at the time, whether it's Roy Moore or Al Franken or, or Joe Barton from Texas, a Republican from Texas who apparently had naked pictures of himself circulated on the web this week. Oh, my gosh. Some liaisons he had during a, a marital interlude. In, in, any, in any event, I, I'm just not so sure that that this this instant rising up of people saying, well, you did this in 1937, Ergo, you must quit the Senate, or you may not run for the Senate. Well, I don't know. That just—I mean, that's—I—I I, I have a little bit of a problem with that. But if the voters say, then, then maybe. I mean, then we're stuck with Roy Moore. I, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, last Roy Moore question: Could he win in Arkansas? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. Sure. What's the current state, this is um, a quote from a, a reader, J.B., on the Arkansas blog, of Rapert's Rock, that's the Ten Commandments monument, being re-erected on Capitol grounds. When can we expect the ACLU and others litigation to begin, or do we need to start a GoFundMe to buy a new vehicle for the crazy guy who took down the first one? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in the state hospital, so he's, he's out of commission for the time being. He's been committed. Uh, I, I think they're waiting for some secure. I think they're drawing up some plans for security. Probably put up some of those bollards or something that, so cars can't drive into it so easily. Get some snipers set up. Maybe. Yeah, and, and then when they you know, get a video camera and what have you. But And then when that's done, I mean, the thing's ready, then they'll install it again. I, I mean, the installation before was pretty simple. Just put down a little slab and stick it up. But now they're going to have to be some kind of security considerations apparently but the lawsuit will, will will follow when it's installed it has to be in place on the grounds okay and the reason that it didn't happen last time was because it was well right they were destroyed I mean, I think they were close to the courthouse but it wasn't up 24 hours before it got knocked down so um let's see from Durango on the blog, notwithstanding the male constitutional officer who years ago was allegedly caught in the act of having sex with one of his male staff members, what is the most monumental, if little-known, scandal of any genre to take place well, at the Arkansas State question, Capitol? And it's just, it's just such a sweep, you know. I, I think Ernie Dumas would need to be here. Probably in the 19th century, there was some incredibly terrible thing. The, the Arkansas loan and thrift scandal, uh, these bogus investment companies and insurance company thievery was a massive, massive scandal and, and was just criminal in every respect. And the attorney general of the state of Arkansas was involved in it and he claimed sickness and avoided being prosecuted for a couple of decades on account of his near-death uh, physical condition. You know, that was that was one huge one. I think, I think the last days of the pre- um, term limit legislature i don't think we yet know all of the you know some of the crookedness was caught uh arose out of a story we did about the this legal services program for for children in court but not all of it i, I it's a little known fact that uh one of the participants in in those days in the scheming the final days of the term limited uh legislature was nick wilson he of course went to prison for, for his role in some of that, but he still today has a, a family-connected business that was enabled by legislation passed then and still makes a significant amount of money for Medicaid dollars in, 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 a, in a program that, on its surface, as far as I know, it operates legally and it serves children in need. And But it was set up in such a way to basically, I think, create what amounts to a retirement 
fun for, for his family. And so I, I don't think we yet know all of that. So there was a great deal of that. You know, the more, you know, tales of debauchery and, and that sort of thing are, are legion and many funny stories. But uh, I, I, I'm not... I'm not well placed on those. You're not an encyclopedia like Ernie is. No. Okay. Um, what will it take to get rid of Jake Files, the Fort Smith senator who's been much embattled? Well, you know, that's, financial, well, and ethical. If if he is charged with a crime, which he has not been, uh, and from from where I sit, the way he received and spent public money and 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 took care of subcontractors looks to be verging pretty closely to potential criminal charges. He may be charged sometime. Uh, at that point, you would hope he would resign, or if he wouldn't, that, that his colleagues would insist on it. They've even passed some rules about what do you do to make sure he wouldn't be a committee chair if he gets indicted while he's sitting in the Senate. Uh, but he said he's not going to run next year. His term ends in 2018. And so I, I'm guessing, unless the feds or somebody move a lot quicker on a criminal charge than they've indicated so far they're going to do, that he'll serve out his term. And he'll get one last legislative session. The good or bad news is it's just a physical session. They just vote on the budget, and they don't do a lot of policy stuff. The, the sad thing about Jake Files is, is as Republicans go... He was kind of moderate. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was not a nut like like some, but apparently, he was not honest. Did not have his financial house in order, at least. No, he's. I mean, he has millions of judgments against him, which he'll never pay, and he'll go bankrupt at some point, I presume. That they will not get their money back. Yeah. Finally, somebody wants to know what the progress there is to keep Dicamba out of the state. I, well, not the only thing I know closely. is our state plant board has moved more aggressively than a lot of other states have in limiting its use. And so there's been a, a real pushback. I mean, Monsanto hasn't been as successful here as it has been in some other places. There's some great concerns about it. That's It sounds to me like while we haven't certainly ended its use, that we've limited it a great deal more than a lot of places have. But Montana was fighting back hard. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, and, and ultimately the courts are going to decide how far people can go. And so. Okay. You didn't ask about the Griggs canoe, and I did some research. Oh, I, don't, I didn't know what that was. Well, to, to accept, a reader okay. asked, so what about the Griggs canoe? And That was what, nonsensical to me. Well, it's the part about the pilgrims in the question I didn't understand, but I can tell you about the Griggs canoe. It's a... Uh, it's an old canoe that was found on the banks of the Saline River in the old 1980s. And I can tell you where it is. It is now, it's been studied by archaeologists. It's now on display at the Toltec Mound State Park in Scott. Right. They've decided that it dates to anywhere between, oh, 1680 and 1840. Maybe it's an Indian dugout canoe. Maybe it was a canoe used by French or Spanish explorers, trappers, and settlers. Uh, it was made by using a metal tool so they have that today that they can see the markings of the metal ads and if you want to see the Griggs canoe you need to get down to Toltec Mound. It has nothing to do with the Toltecs who built the mound but it's just a good place to display some archaeological stuff so 
anyway, that's that's the answer to the reader who want to know about the Griggs Convention. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Covering it all. Um, okay, let's move on to endorsements. What do you got? Well, I'm glad to see the Razorbacks are going to play Ole Miss in their last, what probably will be their last game in Little Rock next year. They announced this afternoon that they've penciled in the, they're not the Rebels anymore. What are they? Jesus. Well, they are the Rebels, but they have a different mascot. So Okay, they're still Rebels. They're the Rebels, but they're rebellious bears or something. Or something like that. Well, in any of it, they're, they're a historic or... old foe of Arkansas. And if it had been left to Jeff Long, number one, they wouldn't have played the game in Little Rock. But if they had been forced to play it, they were going to play Vanderbilt. And I think the Little Rock people begged the uh, interim athletic director, Julie, Julie Cromer Peoples, to make it be Ole Miss, and so it was done. And so I think they can they can sell out War Memorial for Ole Miss. And they also today, by the way, appointed the uh, search committee for the athletic director's job, and it's sort of a solid goal lineup of familiar Arkansas names from Bill Montgomery to Rick Massey to some of the coaches. And an interesting guy that I did, interesting to me, they appointed the dean of the architecture school. I've already forgotten his name, Peter McSomebody. But he's the only dean at the University of Arkansas has Division One athletic experience. He was captain of the soccer team at UVA. Wow. So there you go. There we go. Uh, I'm going to endorse, uh, I'm not sure exactly what they're called, I guess sort of hip-hop or rap line dance songs. So hip-hop I, line dance. Uh, it's been a really long time since I've gone to Electric Cowboy, but I feel well, not doing hip hop electric cowboy. Oh yeah, I feel really? pretty confident that this. Yeah, so the electric cowboys thing has always been they would play a country song, they'd play a one of these line dance songs that I'm talking about, and then they'd play some contemporary rock or rap or. So they have it's a, a big mix. Crowd there? Oh yeah, the most diverse crowd. And, well, good for them. And so, but anyway, these songs are. It's like you know what line dancing is, and you probably think yeah. of Boot Scoop Boogie. Right. It's the same idea, um, but they're rap songs. And most of them are old. Or, I mean, old. They've been, you know, the ones they're probably playing Electric Cowboy now are the ones they were probably playing when I was there 10 years ago. But the, the reason that th- this is on my radar is because. My son goes to Plasky Heights Elementary, and they have an auditorium where the kids all go for morning meeting. And about every week, uh, one of the teachers plays these line dance songs, and so they all know them, and they kind of dance around and stuff. And so my son is really up on the line dance songs and will request them. We have one of those Amazon Echo things so the kids can, so you can just shout it out shout and things. And um, so anyway, that is is a fun way when it's dark at five o'clock to wear your kids out to have a little dance party. And so I think my New Year's resolution is gonna be to learn the moves. Maybe I'll debut it at the Christmas party and, and teach you. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Bring a video camera for that. Uh, I was going to play a little bit of the... I, I don't think this is actually... There's a dance that goes by, goes with this, but this is uh, the song that's most requested in my house right now. Let's see if I can get it to play. I think my kids are actually playing it. Um, I can see on my phone that they were playing it at home not too long ago. It's called Peanut Butter Jelly Time by DJ Chipman. 
And was this this was really an old rap song? This it well, it's probably five years old. It's pretty much it. Reminds me of the bird is a word (laughs) from my time. It's pretty much nonsensical. It's peanut butter jelly with the baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly. That's well, it's, it. It's a little rhythm. It's fine. I yeah, get it. You yeah. know, it's all right. By the way, speaking of food, it's Thanksgiving. Put marshmallows on your sweet potatoes. That's all I got to say about that. I, I, I second that. Thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes. Give us a rating and review and get to 42. Go to 42 and say we sent you. All right. <laughs>